Well, it's a delight for me to be with you today, representing the Northwest District. We are 73 missional outposts scattered throughout northern Idaho, eastern Washington, and the northeast corner of Oregon. And we're in something big together. And in you is one of it, one part of it. Northwest Nazarene University in Nampa, Idaho is a great training place for young people, and I highly commend NNU. And it's a delight for us to be back in Lewiston today. We um, have just come off of a sabbatical. I have lived for three months in shorts and flip-flops, and it's been hard to get back into more conventional garb, but I think I could have come today in shorts and flip-flops. I see a few of you here today. Robbie and I started our sabbatical in China. We had the privilege of training pastors in the underground church. It was a rich time. And young people, do you know what planking is? Is that something you do in Lewiston? Well, my kids said, Dad, if you're going to China, I want you to plank on the Great Wall. And I'm here to tell you, I planked on the Great Wall of China. And I've got a picture, if you don't believe me. I told some kids in my neighborhood who I caught planking, and they said, you photoshopped it. And I said, no, I really did it. So uh, it was fun to travel around China. And then after China, we came home for a week, and then we came to Lewiston, Idaho for two weeks. China, Lewiston, you can get it, right? We came and camped at Hell's Gate and just did some downtime. We chose that location because our kids are scattered all over the Northwest and we wanted them to come camp with us and fish with us. So first time I've been up the Hell's Canyon and we've explored your area and fell in love again with all that's in this part of the state. And then this morning to come again and the official installation of your pastor. I was reading Facebook last night and saw that he posted he was being installed today and somebody wanted to know if he was been a junior pastor until today. Um, but I like to delay a little bit. Of course, I had to because of my sabbatical, but I think it helps on installation that you've had an opportunity to get to know your pastor. And it's with great delight that Robbie and I have come for this very sacred and very special morning. And thank you for the privilege, Pastor Cliff, of preaching today. Would you open your Bibles with me to the book of Joshua? I want to work with this little story today on this very significant Sunday in the life of your church. And I'd invite you, if you would, to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of the Lord. Joshua is the sixth book in the First Testament. And I want to work with the first nine verses. The simple title of my sermon today are Six Words for Your Future. And I find them right here in Joshua chapter 1. And I want to use this opportunity to encourage and challenge you as you look forward. Hear the word of the Lord. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all of these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, to the great sea on the west. And no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. 
Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. And do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is God's good word to us today. And we invite His Spirit to help us to be hearers of the word. You may be seated. I think of a morning like this as the converging of three stories. There is, first of all, the story of the Lewiston, Idaho Church of the Nazarene. I don't know if you know this, but you have just come past your 90th birthday as a church. It was in February of 1921 that this congregation had its beginnings. I looked at the list of pastors, and this is my privilege this morning to install your 24th pastor in your 90-year history. It took nine pastors to get you through the first decade. Must have been interesting times back in the beginning. Any of you part of that history? It took six pastors to get you through the next 30 years. And in the last half century, nine pastors have stood in this place to lead you. That's a good track record of longevity and pastoral oversight. I reviewed this name and I know many of these pastors, godly men. And yet that's part of the heritage and God's story in bringing you as a congregation to this day. And into that story, now God is bringing Pastor Cliff Purcell. God's been at work in his life. God's been helping him on his journey to be a Christ follower and to be an educated, prepared pastor in the church. He's had experience in associate work and in lead role. And now he has come to be among you as your pastor. And I I just thank God for the journey that he's had this family as he's brought them together. And Laura joining his ministry and three wonderful children to bless the family. Your story and their story and God's story. It doesn't start with us. God's been at work. God's been faithful. God's been doing something significant throughout the history. And we come to God's Word this morning to get into this grand story that God has been writing and telling across the centuries. God has always had a people. God will always have a people. And God needs faithful men and women, boys and girls, to stand up and say, I am willing to be part of God's great work on this earth. And so I come to Joshua this morning as the God's part of this story. And I want us to first of all meet Joshua a little bit. We see his role here and I want to really talk most about that. But I want to go back into the first five books of the First Testament to be sure you understand God's preparation of Joshua for this moment. We meet him back in Exodus 17 when we find that Joshua is a general. The Amalekites have attacked the Israelites. The Israelites have been a nomadic people. They don't know how to fight. And Moses said, we've got to get an army together. And he put Joshua in charge of a ragtag army to 
go meet the Amalekites. It's a great story if you were to read it, because in that story you find that Moses is at prayer while the soldiers are at war. And Moses lifts up his arm and his arms get tired and his arms get tired. His arms come down. And when his arms come down, the enemy or the army does not do well. And so Aaron and her come and they prop his arms up and the battle is won. Church, could you see this picture this morning? The arms of Pastor Cliff need to be held up in prayer. And you are the people who can hold those arms up to help the work that's to be done in this place at this time to be successful. And the good thing about this story is, is Joshua had to look towards Moses and he realized that if Moses' arms aren't up, God's not at work. And if God's not at work, it doesn't matter how good of a general you are, nothing good will happen. And Joshua had the great early reminder that the work God calls me to do must be God-led and God-directed. And it happens through a praying people. We find Joshua in Exodus 24 as a follower. When Moses went up the mountain to get the tablets, as we know them, the Ten Commandments, he took Joshua with him. And Joshua, halfway up the mountain, camped out and waited the 40 days that Moses was on top of the mountain. You know, I've learned a great leadership principle is who you hang out with really matters. And Joshua liked to hang out with Moses, and so that made a lot of difference. I was watching golf the other day, and there was a big rain delay. And one of the commentators said, I was in the clubhouse, and many of the guys were in there complaining at the officials, didn't like how it was being handled and working and rearranging things. But he said, I watched one young man who got out of the clubhouse and went out to the green, and he said he hung out with the putters. Now, the putters are the people who are hitting the ball in the hole. And this guy wanted to get away from the negativity in the clubhouse and he wanted to get out there with the people doing the action. And he said, that's the guy that will probably win this tournament. And he did. Folks, who you hang out with matters. Who has your ear matters. Joshua was a guy who wanted to be around Moses and he spent time with this great leader. And so when we get to his own book, you can see all over him the imprints of Moses' life and Moses' legacy. The third thing we know about Joshua is he's an explorer. He was one of the 12 spies sent into the promised land. They went in to look at the cities and the people and the fruit and all of the good stuff. And they came back with a report and they said, you can't believe the fruit. It's huge. This place has food to offer us like we have never seen. We've been eating manna and quail and let's go get good food. But the report had a second part to it. They said, but. The people. The people are giants. They're too big. We can't handle them. And Joshua and Caleb were the two who stood up and said, folks, it doesn't matter how big the giants are. Our God is bigger. But the ten had fear. And they said, we dare not go to that place. And so for 40 years, because the people were full of fear, they wandered in circles and nothing good got done in that place. It takes courageous leaders explorers, willing to launch out into new territory and take people with them. And then finally, we see Joshua as a shepherd in Numbers 27. Moses said, it's about time for me to go. God, would you appoint somebody over my people who will be a shepherd to them? I don't want them to be like sheep without a shepherd. And God said, Moses, I've got your man. He's been following you around for a long time. His name's Joshua. Anoint him, put your hands upon him because he is my leader for the future. 
That's the guy we're talking about this morning, trained. And now he's ready to lead. And in this passage that I read, there is a phrase that is repeated three times. And I have learned in Bible study that if God says something three times, you better sit up and listen. Four words. And if you'll let me this morning, I'd like to talk to this guy on the front row for just a little bit. Because these are four words for you, Pastor Cliff. Be strong and courageous. Three times God said that to Joshua as he got ready for the great task that was before him. But the context, as you well know, always matters. When you see some words, what's the context? And there are three ways that I believe as a pastor you can live out this command from the Lord because I believe these are four words that are good words for you as you begin your ministry in this place. The first time we read the words is in verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people. And my prayer is that you will have strength and courage as you pick up the mantle of leadership among these folks. Hear Moses' words. I don't want my people to be sheep without a shepherd. And you have come as a shepherd leader of these people. We hear so very much in this day and age about leadership. Your shelf, like mine, is probably full of leadership books. I try to stay available to some of the best thinking. But probably one of the simplest lessons I ever learned in pastoral leadership came from Kenan Callahan when he says there are four L's of leadership. The first L is to lead. The second L is to listen. The third L is to learn. And the fourth L is to love. Now, Callahan said a lot of pastors show up on a Sunday like this before a congregation and say, hey, folks, I'm here to lead you. I want you to listen to me. I want you to learn from me. And along the way, I hope we fall in love with each other. Callahan said that's got to be turned completely around. A good leader, a Joshua leader, a godly leader shows up and says, folks, I'm here to love you. I want to learn from you. I want to... I want to know your story and I want to know your past and I I want to build on all that's there. I want to listen to you. I want to know your heart. I want to know where you've been. I, I really want to know you. And if we love people and learn from people and listen to people, they'll let us lead them. And so today my encouragement to you, Pastor, is to be strong and courageous in leading your people but know that it all comes out of a heart of love like a shepherd loves the sheep. The second command is in verse 7. And there's a word that's added. It's an adverb that's thrown in. Be strong and very courageous. God really wants to highlight this one. And then He gets very specific in that verse because He's talking to us here about be strong and courageous and following His word. And this specificity here is be careful to obey it and don't turn from it and don't let it depart from your mouth and meditate on it day and night. This is our book. And what I know about this man is I did my homework on knowing what kind of a leader he was is that he takes the Word of God seriously and that matters to me as your district superintendent and I know that matters to these people that you've come to lead. Be strong and very courageous As you follow this book, I want to encourage you to ponder it. Let it get into your heart and let it get into your head until it soaks through to your pores. 
I want you to practice it. Let it guide your hands and your feet and your mouth and everything that you do. Let God's word lead you. And I want you also to preach it. As you have the privilege across the years to stand in this place Sunday after Sunday, take this word. This word is a window. It's a window we can open and let people see the great God that we serve. And this word is also a mirror that we begin to see ourselves and how we need to be a holy people completely devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ, willing to take this word, my good friends, and let it guide every day of our lives. Be strong and very courageous in following God's word. The third time we see it's in verse 9. And here we're talking about walking with your God. Verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you? And those words could literally read, Have I not called you? You have felt in your heart a call to this place. These people have affirmed that through their vote of confidence in you. Pastor Cliff, I have a, a letter you sent to me before you ever came for an interview sharing a Sunday morning when God began to speak to your heart. And I kept that because that's a precious gift that you gave to me. And I wondered if this all came to today I'd want to read it again, and I did. Late last night, I picked up that letter of what God began to do in your heart and life on a Sunday morning several months ago. You are here because you believe God's called you here. And here's what God says to those He calls. Be strong and very courageous as you walk with Me. But hear the whole context. Because He says here in verse 9, don't be terrified and don't be discouraged. Now, why in the world, when God calls somebody to an exciting task, is one of the first things He says to them is, don't be terrified and don't get discouraged. What's God know that we don't know? Well, if you peek ahead in the story, there's a river to be crossed, and the river's at flood stage. If you peek ahead in the story, there are cities to be conquered, and the walls are high, and the gates are closed. And then in the story, there are people. (laughs) People who, about chapter 7, cross their arms and say, Joshua, why'd you ever bring us here? It got so bad that Joshua tore his clothes and said, Lord, I think I want to go back too. And then I think he remembered this call in chapter 1. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. Because here's his promise. As I said to Moses, I will walk with you. I say the same thing to you, Joshua. I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. And I offer, and I have it there in the notes this morning, a ministry verse for you. Strength, courage, don't be timid, don't get discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step you take. And so my words are very simple for you today on this installation Sunday morning. Out in front, lead your people. Following behind God's holy word. And then step with the God who has called you and who has promised to make the journey with you. Could I hasten to add a post note today? I think I know a little bit how you're wired. I think this is a go-getter kind of guy. We need a go-getter kind of guy. Strength and courage is not something that you generate deep from within. 
It's not a generator. You're a gatekeeper. And if you know anything about the dams all around us, the generators make the power, but it's the gates that are open to let the water go through that generate it. And what you've got to do, Pastor Cliff, is be sure you keep the gate wide open to the Holy Spirit and to your good wife who will counsel you and pull you in a little bit once in a while. Don't think you've got to generate courage and strength from within. It's God's gift to you. Just keep the gates wide open and let the Holy Spirit flow into you and through you. Would you join me in saying the four words to your pastor this morning? Let's say them together. Be strong and courageous. Let's say it again. Be strong and courageous. Lead us. Follow the Word of God. And never get out of step with the God who's called you to this place. i got two words for you. They too come out of the first chapter of Joshua. Verse 2, in fact. Get ready. That's what God said to Joshua and the people. He said, get ready. We've, We've got a river here, folks, to cross. And I think you're ready to cross it. So it's time to get ready. I think those are words of encouragement. God says the people who've been going around in circles for a long time, get your heads up. I've got a new day for you. And then I think these are words of direction. What God is saying to Joshua and to the people is I want you to look towards your future. God has brought you to this place in your history because He has a plan and a purpose for your future. And therefore, church, get ready. Amen. Amen. Chapter 3. This river that they have to cross. In verse 3, we see that it begins with the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant that is talked so much about in the first testament. It's just a little box. It's not even quite four feet long. And it's about two feet high. But it was symbolic of the presence of the living God that was among the people. And what? God said to Joshua and how God had taught his people is that the only way the Ark of the Covenant moved was on the shoulders of the leaders. God's presence on the shoulders of the leaders. And when God said it's time to go, that's how God's presence went forward. I like that picture this morning. And let me talk a minute to the leadership of this church. The future of this church depends upon the presence of God being on the shoulders in the hearts, in the minds of the leaders of this church. We've got to lift God's presence and say, God, you are welcome in this place. And I'm willing to do anything and everything you call me to do. I want to be your follower as I go forward. And so part of a covenant service like this is not just the installation of a pastor, but it's a reminder of those who are in leadership positions, whether you sit on the governing board or you're teaching a Sunday school class or you're working with youth or whatever your assignment is, the presence of God has to rest upon you if we're going to have the kind of future that God wants for us. When God gets ready to move, we better have our sails up. And be ready to let the wind take us forward. Well, three reminders from Joshua and God that I would offer to you this morning as congregation. It's over in chapter 3, verse 4. Some intriguing words of reminder. You have never been this way 
before. For 40 years they have been in the wilderness. For 40 years they've been going around in circles. It's the same old path, but now God says, I have some new paths for you to walk. I have a river for you to cross. I have new territory for you to take. Get ready. And there are two symbols in this passage that we dare not overlook. One is the ark, the presence of God, and the other is the river. And what church on my district knows rivers better than this church? You've got two of them. And rivers are hard to cross, especially if you don't have bridges. But God said, I want you to cross the river. I want you to get ready to go. And whenever you see rivers in Scripture, it always talks about obstacles and opportunities. Keep them together. Too often we say, oh, that's an obstacle. But you know, an obstacle can be an opportunity to learn some new trust in God. We're not good at crossing rivers on our own. The only way we can cross rivers is when God helps us go forward. They came out of Egypt and they stopped dead. There was the Red Sea and the Egyptian army and God parted the water. And now they're ready to go into the promised land. And there's the Jordan River at flood stage and God parts the water. It dawned on me one day. A very important biblical truth. God never parts the water so that we can go back. There were times in the wilderness they wanted to go back to Egypt. There were times in the promised land they wanted to go back to the wilderness. But God never parts the water behind us. Reggie McNeil has a great question. He asks a lot of churches as he travels around, what year is it in this place? We talk about the good old days. And folks, the good old days weren't as good as we think they were. I heard George Hunter III talk to Nazarene pastors at Northwest Nazarene University a few years ago. And he said, you know, I sometimes think the Church of the Nazarene is ready if 1956 ever shows up again. And I've seen a few of those places, but not many. I am finding that people in this day and age have a burning desire to reach this world for Jesus Christ. But the way we do it is not by going back. Oh, we value the past. We stand on our doctrine and our history and our beliefs and the things we're committed to. But we find new ways to engage this culture because this culture needs the good news of a resurrected Lord who brings hope. We need hope and Christ Jesus himself has it let me encourage you to be a missional church gathering so you can scatter I love the phrase that when somebody says to God I'm in God says immediately you're out because we come into the kingdom so we can go out to the world and that's what Christ is calling his church to do as we engage this culture and this time with the transforming good news of Jesus Christ. The second thing is a reminder from chapter 3, verse 5, the Lord will do amazing things among you. I have to point that out to you today. This is an important thought because you see the focus has to be on God, not the leader. Leaders don't come to do amazing things among us. Leaders just come to point us to the God who wants to do amazing things among us. And sometimes we can ask and expect things out of a leader that are both ungodly and unfair. 
we come to our great God who wants to do amazing things among us. I think of Joshua in that scouting job he took when he went across the river earlier and looked around and he came back and the people said the giants are too tall. And Joshua said, no, God's bigger. And in my mind, I connect that to that day when David walked into the camp of Goliath. And I I think David said something like this in his own heart. The only giant in my life is God. And folks, I get tired of the conversations I keep hearing about how bad everything has fallen apart. Where is God in all of this? Where is the God that we serve and the God that we worship? And our problem is is we've made giants out of the economy. We've made giants out of a godless culture. We've made all these giants. It's time for us to get back to the idea that God wants to do amazing things among us. And the way it begins is to say, the only giant in my life is God. And if God's the giant, the no river, no problem, is unsolvable. God wants to do amazing things among you. If we're going to cross the river, we've got to have a big trust and a big faith and a big confidence in our big God. Along the way, the leader reminds the people, you've got to consecrate yourselves. And consecrate simply says, make yourself available. Lord, here I am. I want to get in on these amazing things. Isn't that where you are today? You want to be a part of the amazing things that God wants to do in this church and in this community and in the lives of lost people that are all around us. We have to consecrate ourselves. We have to say, God, here I am. I am available to you. I gave your pastor four L's. Let me give you some pep this morning. Let me give you just three things for your relationship with your pastor. First of all, the P is pray. I hope this isn't just a motto that hangs on your wall. I hope this is a praying church. God's been doing amazing things around the world. Our trip to China was incredible. They're saying that possibly one in ten Chinese are Christians. We were with young people hiding away. They told us when we went what to do if we got arrested. And, of course, that blessed our kids when we told them the plan. And we were hoping somebody would come looking for us if we did. But under secrecy and in caution, and yet young people coming together saying, teach us, train us. We want to be pastors. We took a couple with us who are missionaries to Africa. And they said, you know, there are, I think, 1.2 million Chinese living in Africa that nobody's reaching. We begin to talk to these Chinese young people about going to Africa to reach the people there. NNU is building bridges with China. We're we're bringing students from China because if we can give people the gospel, they take it back with them. God's doing something in the world. The problem is, is when God's got a revival going in Korea, Americans go to Korea and they say, tell us about your programs. How do you do it? And the Koreans say, what are you talking about programs? It's prayer. God's doing stuff in South America. And people go to South America and say, tell us how you do it. Show us the program. What are the steps? And they say, what are you talking about? It's about prayer. The greatest thing you can do for your pastor, the greatest thing you can do for this amazing thing God wants to do in this place is to become a people committed to prayer. If we don't pray, then we lose sight of the fact of how big our God is. 
And that's why our God has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk until we have other giants. We have failed to elevate who God is. The only giant in my life is God. Let's pray. The E is encouraged. This is October 2nd. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Can I just kindly say to you, I think that's a great idea, but why don't we have Pastor Appreciation Year? This is one of the hardest times in all of Christendom to be a pastor. There are more criticisms. There are people who are willing to come in and out of churches for the flimsiest of reasons. There are people who are always sure the pastor is doing it wrong. And if you just do it like so-and-so does it, there is so much criticism and so much baggage is being put on pastors that the longevity now of the career of pastors is less than 10 years. I'm not talking about local pastoring one congregation. I'm talking about their careers. Because pastoring is hard work. And I know what often happens. There's a large, silent majority of people who love their pastor and think he's doing a good job, but he never hears it from them. You just hear the few who think it ought to be done a different way. And church, one of the greatest things you can do for your pastor is to find ways continuously to encourage, to lift up, to say thank you, to bless. Oh, there may be some things you need to talk about, but even that can be talked about in a spirit of love and a spirit of generosity, and to say, you know, I've got a concern. I want to hear your heart, and I really do want to listen to you, and then I want you to hear my heart. Oh, we need churches that encourage pastors. I think one of the questions that's going to be asked on the Judgment Day is, pastors, do you love your people? And laity, did you support and build up your pastor? Churches have a great responsibility to make pastors successful. Why don't you make it your goal? to make this one of the greatest pastoral assignments on our district and one of the greatest days in the history of the Lewiston Church. The P of PEP is to participate. I love the little story of three pastors that got together. They all were complaining they had bats in the belfry. What would you do with yours? And one said, I got a shotgun and I shot them. He said, I took care of the problem, but the trustees weren't real happy. They had a lot of patching to do. Another one said, I captured them and I took them out 50 miles and I let them go, but they beat me back to the church. And the third one said, you guys have it all wrong. I captured them, baptized them, took them into membership, and I've never seen them again. (laughs) I know a little something about churches that during an interim time, people step up in big ways. And then sometimes they step back in big ways and say, oh, good, we got a leader. Folks, this is the time to lean into ministry like you've never leaned into ministry before. You need to participate with your time and your talent and your tithe. It's a time to show support because you believe in the future of this church. And I believe some great days are ahead as you partner together. Let me close with a third challenge, and that is to put in place some stones of remembrance. The great crossing comes at the end of chapter 3, and when on chapter 4, they're on the other side of the river. Joshua sends 12 men back into the river because the ark was on the shoulders of the leaders, and when they stepped into the water, the waters parted, and they stood in the river bank until everyone had crossed over. 
And then the ark came up behind. But Joshua said, we need some rocks from the river. We're going to set up 12 stones of remembrance. We're going to do this so that future generations will know the powerful activity of our God. I just want to say to you, church, and I I say this in a time of, of transition. What we remember is important. That little ark, do you know what was inside that ark? The tablets, so the people would always remember the commandments that God had given. There was some manna in there, so the people would always remember that God fed them in the wilderness. The ark, the presence of God, was filled with reminders of how God took care of His people. And now the stones. The stones are going to be set up in verse 22, we are told, so that we can remember that God brought us through on dry ground. I am convinced that people and churches are rock collectors. It's, I think, part of the human nature. What I want to say to you today is where you collect your rocks from makes all the difference in the world. Joshua did not say to the people, go back to the wilderness and bring 12 rocks so that we'll always remember the wilderness years. Those were hard years. No, the focus isn't on the wilderness and on what happened to us. The focus is on the river and what God did for us. And so today I just want to simply say to you, church, your faith needs a memory. But what you remember from the past is so huge. If all we remember are hurts and the ways that things weren't done well and the way that people might have come and gone and pastors and treatment and all kinds of things, if we, if we think to the past and collect our rocks, then our God won't be a giant among us. But if we will take rocks of remembrance, you know what, those were some hard days, but this is what God did. And these were some tough times, but out of this, this is where God brought us. If our stones of remembrance are reminders of who God is and what God does among us, then we are ready to continue to follow the God who's been faithful in the past and who will lead us to the future. Pastor Cliff, be strong and courageous leading and following and walking with your God. And people of God, get ready for a new path and some amazing things that God wants to do. And never lose sight of a memory that the God of your history as a church and as individuals is a God who has been faithful. And may your stones of remembrance be not the pains, but the faithfulness of our great God.